stand with me tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord tonight. Sister Edward saying from Romans chapter 8. We could all quote that. I want to go to that same chapter. Instead of 28, I want to go to 38. Amen. Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 38. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature, listen to this, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you pray with me, Lord God? I ask you tonight to touch us and to help us. I know that you're in this building, and I know that you've come to bless us tonight, and you've come to help us. In the name of the Lord, we praise you. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Praise God. The Lord gave me this message some time back. And at, at the time, it was not a message. It was just a comfort to me. After losing two brothers within 15 months, and that not long, my uh, my mother died first, and then my my two brothers. And uh, I know that all across this building tonight, or probably everybody in this building has been touched at one way or another by the chilling hand of death. Close loved ones, distant relatives, someone that we know that we can think of just right now that has went on to be with the Lord. But... <clears throat> How we accept that sometimes is really difficult. But death is part of living. The Bible talks about death, and uh, it's mentioned 372 times in the Bible. Life is mentioned 450 times. Death is described in the Bible. It gives us an accurate description of death. Psalms chapter 9 said it was called the gates of death. The 23rd Psalm, which you're familiar with, calls it the shadow of death. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So death is part of Bible, biblical things, and and we know that. 2 Corinthians 4 and 12, hang on, but. You'll you'll get this in a minute. It says, death worketh in us. Now, that don't mean you're going to fall over in the pew tonight. That just means the process of time you're born to the time you die. You don't start living, you start dying. We reach a peak in our life. We say, man, that was was the best year or best uh, decade or whatever that I ever lived. But actually... Death is working in you right now. And it's called the sting of death. And when it's there, 
you know it and you feel it. And death is so final. Uh, I suppose that uh, probably if I could describe it to you in, in just some kind of way, the grief that people go through when somebody dies. And I was experiencing that, and uh, I went to my mother's bedside, which she had experienced a series of strokes and uh, had not spoken a word uh, in a year. And they called me and told me that she was passing. And so we rushed over there, and my brothers at that time were still alive, and my sisters, and we were standing around her bed. And um, I wasn't saying much, but we got ready uh, to leave. And I said, uh, why don't we all just join hands and pray over mom? Never thinking that she was hearing us. And we just prayed and prayed. And when uh, we got through praying, uh, she had not moved. She had not spoken, uh, paralyzed in some type of uh, way in her extremities. But she found the strength to reach up and grab my hand. And she said, Amen. Amen. That was kind of final because it was not many hours after that till she went home to be with the Lord. The death of my brothers was not kind to me because uh, of, of their age. And I'm the middle. But we had called and... Uh, went home, and my youngest brother, on the very morning that he was scheduled to go to the hospital, he had a stroke, a massive stroke, and uh, uh, went on to be with the Lord. And it just seems like that one thing after another, and then just last year, December, this past December, my oldest brother passed away. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But, uh, you know, you sometimes just... You just got to get a grip. And I just could not get a grip. Just couldn't grasp it. I couldn't get a hold of it. I was saying, how is our life going to be affected by so many family members being gone? And uh, I came home from my youngest brother's funeral, and uh, I I couldn't get in the pulpit and felt like I I did, but I didn't feel like I was really there. Went home one Sunday afternoon, and and uh, I did something that normally I never try to do was take a nap. I just laid down on the couch, and I'm kind of like Paul. Well, whether I was in the spirit or out, I, I don't know. But uh, when I closed my eyes, immediately uh, I saw my youngest brother, his name was Ron, walk into our living room, and, and I, I said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And he said, I I brought somebody to see you because you haven't seen her in a long time. And immediately there stood my mother, recognized her, and she stood beside him, called my name. And uh, instantly I was awake, but I knew where they was. I knew that God had just allowed a little comfort to me. Uh, to come into that room because of the grief that I was going through. Uh, a few months later, my oldest brother had uh, been in the hospital, and I went to spend the whole week with him. And uh, I don't know if you've ever sat with people that are struggling to live. 
but he was struggling to live. Heart failure, uh, diabetic, uh, he had a pacemaker, a defibrillator, uh, one kidney that my brother had donated to him 27 years ago, and the doctor came in and checked him, and he said, this chart cannot be right. I said, what does it say? It says that this man received a kidney 27 years ago. I said, that's right. My youngest brother gave it to him. And you know what? When my oldest brother passed away, that was one of the only organs in his body that was still doing well 27 years later. But my brother lay there struggling, and we were just reminiscing old times. And he'd over and over, he'd say, Bobby, tell me about that vision you had of mom and Ron. And I'd tell him, and we'd pray, and we'd cry. And finally, uh, the doctor said, we can't do any more for you, and... um, We're we're just going to send you home. But before we do, we're going to have to turn off the defibrillator. And, uh, you know, he didn't understand that. And I watched that doctor sit there and try to explain. And so I I told him, I said, Marlon, what she's trying to tell you, if you have another heart attack, this is not going to save your life. He said, just a moment. My doctor, his, I mean, his doctor brother and me and his wife, and we was all around. He said, just a moment. And he started like he always starts at every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, everything that we've ever had when we ask him to pray. This is what he would say, our heavenly father. And that's how he started the prayer. And when he started praying, he just kept on praying, and the doctor wanted him to quit, but he just kept on praying, and, and a little while, he just broke into speaking in tongues, and when I looked back at the doctor, tears were literally rolling down her face and, and dripping off of the chin, and when he finally stopped, he said, go ahead. My life is in a higher power than yours, and I want to tell you something. When I read this scripture and God gave me this, I looked at this and Paul said, I am persuaded. And the first thing that he said, I am persuaded that death cannot separate me from the love of God. I think I'm preaching to some people here tonight that need to understand that when we go through the situations of life, Paul said, I want to tell you something. Death did not come to your family to separate you from church or to keep you from coming to church or to send you in the deep, darkest despair of your life. And it's not fun. It never will be. It's not intended to be. But God did not intend it to punish you. Because Paul said, I want to tell you something. I am persuaded that nothing. And the very first thing that he said was death. You know why he said death? It wasn't his death he was talking about. Because Paul said, for me to die is gain. Paul said, the only way I can be in the presence of the Lord is get loose from this fleshly body. So he wasn't talking about his death. He was talking about people that he knew. So I'm talking to you tonight about people that you knew. I wouldn't think it's the will of God for God to use death to punish people. I've never preached in the pulpit that God's judgment would come to people and take an innocent life in order to bring somebody to God. But it might. I'm not saying it's impossible. 
I'm just saying, I don't see God looking at you tonight and saying, I'm going to take an innocent person's life in order to bring you to God. Now, it might have, and it might bring you closer to God, but to every saint in this building tonight, let me tell you something. Death was not intended to put you in the deep, darkest depression of your life. Death was not intended for you to stay out of church. Death was not intended for you not to raise your hands. Because Paul said, I am persuaded that nothing, not even death, can separate me from the love of God. Our pastor that was before me that married Sister Moore. She told me that today. The David Goss will know this is the truth. His oldest son was murdered. Brutally murdered. And I was there preaching revival. And Brother Hoyt said, I'm so glad you're here. I can't get in the pulpit. I'm I'm just I'm I'm physically, mentally, and spiritually broken. And during the course of that time, Brother Hoyt's pastor was George L. Glass. Anybody know George L. Glass? Old-time preacher man. And uh, he called Brother Glass and he said, Brother Glass, I'm, I'm just, I can't think. I can't function. All I can think about is my son being murdered. And I, I don't want to go any further than that because he said, I know there was a lot of things lacking in, in his life. And, and Brother Glass said something that stuck with Brother Hoyt, and it stuck with me when he told me. And, and he called him by name, and he said, Clark Hoyt, tomorrow, or the next time you get an opportunity to get in the pulpit on Sunday, you go back in there, and you open the Bible, and you preach. And Brother Hoyt said, I can't. It's impossible. I can't do it. Brother Glass said, yes, you can And he said, I want you to take the Bible, and if you just do nothing but stand in the pulpit and read a scripture. Read a scripture. Brother Hoyt told me when he got back in the pulpit, Brother David Goss may remember this. He said, I just looked out at the congregation, weeping and crying, and I opened the word of God, and I read a scripture, and I said a few words. And when I started saying something uh, in the form of preaching, strength came back into me. He said it wasn't like before, but he said, I just felt that nudge of the Spirit. I felt something begin to crack and lift away from me that had been hanging on me for always. He said, Wednesday, I went back to church and I preached. And Sunday morning, I went back to church and I preached. And Sunday night, I went back to church and I preached. And he said, the more I begin to preach, the more I begin to feel like I love God and God loves me. Let me tell you something, folks. Uh, Amen. Death was never intended to separate us from the love of God. It's not the judgments of God. It's not the end. We can't look at it and say, you know, it's got to be the end. A person that dies ready to meet the Lord, it's the greatest promotion of their life. If you had a loved one die and meet God, they're better off than you are. They have the race run. They open up their arms and cross the finish line. And when they step from this world into glory, I want you to know that none of the things that is going to affect us here will affect them because they've got it made. 
After all, is that why we're here tonight? Don't we come to church to be ready to die? Don't we hear preaching to be ready to die? Don't we come and to the realization that there's some part of us that gets to the point and the place that we say, you know what, I, I, I'm getting ready to go. This world is not my home. Uh, I'm just passing through. Nothing that God's blessed me with is intended to keep me here. We may say hallow on this side and hallelujah on the other side. That's just how fast that the Lord can come for us. You may be perfectly healthy tonight, uh, and before the next service, uh, you may be shouting on the streets of gold. But let me tell you something. Paul had an insight that you and I do not have. Death cannot separate me from the love of God. We had a man in our church, his name was Howard Segrist. I won Brother Howard to the Lord, and uh, he brought his wife, and both of them prayed through. And he was a young man in his 50s. And not long after he came to church, uh, he found out that he had the worst type of cancer. And uh, doctor after doctor, slowly uh, surgeons began to operate, and it was one thing and then another. And I watched him as he would come through each surgery, and seemingly he was a little stronger, but as time went on, all the surgeries began to take a toll on his body. And finally, uh, I, I went to the hospital every day to see Howard, every day, every day, every day. And every day he was a little bit uh, lower than the day before and finally, he passed into a coma. And I went one day, and his wife was sitting there, and she said, Brother Edwards, we had a prayer last night, and this is what Howard prayed. And he said, Lord, I just want to know that my wife is in the room with me. And I just want to know that she's here, and I want to be able to speak with her one last time. He had been in a coma now for close to five days. Didn't know anybody came, never knew that I was there, but I remembered what she said. I wished I would have been there, but I, I wasn't. But when he was drawing his last breath, his wife said to me, an amazing thing happened. Just like that, he sat up in bed. He called his wife's name. He reached his hand out to her, and he said, I love you. And she responded to that. And he said, there's a lot of people up here and died and died. Well, I'm going to tell you something. For a saint of God, I want to tell you death cannot separate us. In fact, we got to stop and look at it like the Bible looks at it. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I may not be preaching to everybody in this building tonight, but I felt impressed of the Holy Ghost that somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you tonight. Uh, it's not the will of God for you to be depressed. It's the will of God for you to stand up and say, uh, Amen, there's victory, and it's in Jesus. Uh, and because God has victory over death, and that the last enemy, the last enemy to be destroyed not defeated, destroyed is death. Praise God. Now, I want to tell this church something tonight. You may feel like I did. 
I felt abandoned. I felt lonely. I felt depressed. My wife couldn't talk to me. I'd, I'd go to church and I'd just leave early. It was, it was the most unbelievable feeling I ever had in my life. And all of a sudden, God, it wasn't man, it was God. God stepped in the picture. And, brother, when God stepped in the picture of things, began to change in my life. And for you tonight that are here, let me tell you something. Uh, there's some things that you need to understand about what Paul was saying. He's, first of all, he said, death cannot separate us from the love of God. Notice this. The next one he said was life. The two greatest things that we have, death and life. Death and life. You got to stop and think. You're still here. But life brings sadness and sorrow and heartache and pain. Well, if it wasn't for the church, what would we do? Oh, my. If it wasn't for being able to come uh, to a prayer meeting every now and then, what would we do? If it wasn't for that unseen hand of God that's stretching out and helping us and touching us, what would we do? If it wasn't for sometimes looking at it, and I know we look at it and say, life is not worth living. But listen what Paul said, life cannot separate us from the love of God. Not God. You're going to have to admit I'm telling you the truth. Boy, it seems like sometimes God's a long way off, don't it? You ever prayed and you just felt like it wasn't going anywhere? You ever prayed for people and they got worse? Prayed for situations and it didn't happen? And we feel like God has abandoned us. And we couldn't touch God if we had to. But hold on. Paul realized that. And he didn't say that these things were going to separate us from God. It said it was not going to separate us from the love of God. You know why? Because God loves us when we're unlovable. You know why? Because God understands you. It's not so much that you understand God because we won't ever understand God. If I could understand God, I wouldn't need God. If I could figure out all of life's problems, I wouldn't need God. I don't need to understand God, but here's what God understands you and because God understands you, he said, I love you. And because God looks at your feelings, he said, I love you. And Paul said, you're not going to be separated from the love of God. The devil cannot build a wall. The devil cannot build a barrier too great that God's love cannot penetrate to where you are. Undying love. So you know what he said? He said, life, circumstances of life, everyday life, situations of life, it's not going to separate me from the love of God. How many has ever been in financial problems? Great. This is nobody. <laughs> Woo. I'm moving here. If I lived, I, this is where I'd come to church. Nobody. I've, you're going to have to repent after church. You know what? Life is full of struggles, isn't it? Life 
is full of complexities. Life is full of anguish and sorrow. Life, you can go back and read it for yourself. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. It talks about all the things of life that God hates. It was adultery and fornication and uncleanliness uh, and hatred and, and drunkenness and lasciviousness and on and on it goes. But that's life. Well, let me tell you something. If this world was a perfect place, there'd be no need for a heaven. Some folks came to our door, knocked on it one time, and, and they was trying to tell me that their particular religion believes that we are living in heaven right now. I said, wait a minute. I think I want to tell you something. This is not heaven I hate to wake you up and tell you something, but we're not in heaven because down here we have trouble. But on the other side, the Bible said he wipes away all tears. The Bible says on the other side that there's no death and destruction and heartache and pain and no hospitals and no graveyards and no death. Woo! But I'm telling you, life... I'm not going to let life and the struggles of life separate me from the love of God. (laughs) In the morning, you're going to get up and and you're going to say, what a wonderful service we had. And no sooner you're going to get to work or get to school or wherever you're going, and somebody is going to look at you and challenge that, and you're going to say, wait a minute. Brother Edwards preached about this is the bad part of life right here. But don't let your job get you down. Don't let people you work with get you down. Don't let circumstances of life separate you because God said uh, nobody can separate you from the love of God. Nobody can come to you and say, well, God don't love you. Excuse me. God loves me. He loves me because he said nothing can separate us from the love of God. good friend of ours in our church we prayed for him and, and and he got the best job of his life it was a great job lots of money everything was going smooth they bought a new home they just done everything that you do when you get a promotion on your job a large promotion and they put him over the entire plant except one man one man And that went on for a little while, maybe a year, and that one man suddenly walked into this other man in our church's office one morning, and he said, you're no longer employed here, and fired him. He come home, he called me, he said, I'm just laughing to keep from crying, but I've been fired. I said, that's impossible. I said, there wasn't but one man over you. He said, that's right, and he fired me. That one guy came to church every day, and some days I would go in and pray with him. And he never stopped tithing on the same amount of money that he made. He never quit giving the missions on the same amount of money that he made. And their income was dwindling and dwindling to the point that he said, I I, I think we're going to have to sell our house. I went in to pray with him one morning, and something strange come over me. And I went up to him, and uh, I said, Brother Scott, I'm going to tell you something. This may look like defeat, but it's not. And that one man that fired you, one day you're going to be his boss. 
He didn't believe me, but yet he wanted to trust me. He wanted to trust me. Guess what happened? He never quit coming to church. He never quit praying. He never, he never stopped anything that he was doing. And one day the phone rang from a totally different company, a totally different company. And they said, we want you to come, and you're going to be the one that hiring and firing. Guess who came? Am I telling the truth, Sister Edwards? Guess who came? The guy that fired him was now coming asking for a job from Brother Scott. His flesh wanted to say, not on your life. Hope you die. Hope you go somewhere beside heaven. But you know what? God had prepared him. And the Holy Ghost, not flesh, not flesh, but the Holy Ghost turned around and he said, you're hired. Guess who's his boss right now? Woo, my God. Come on, church. There may be somebody that you're struggling with. There may be... My God, have mercy. There may be somebody that hates your guts, but they cannot separate you from the love of God. Woo! Life, 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 death and life cannot separate you from the love of God. He said... Things present. That's right now. That's tonight. January the 17th, 2016. What's going on in your life tonight? What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your life? What's going on in your family? What's going on with your children? Listen to what he said. He said, I am persuaded that things that are present, that are happening right now, cannot separate God's love for you. A couple came to church one night. He was just shouting. Woo! Woo! His wife was just sitting there looking at him. He was just, woo! Woo! After church, she said, what is wrong with you? We fought all the way to church. He said, I know it. But I'm not mad at God. <laughs> Woo! Can I get an amen from any man in this building here tonight? I'm talking about things present. I'm talking about things happening in your life right now. I'm talking about things that you had to go through this afternoon. Look up and lift up your head because things present cannot separate you from the love of God. Oh, my God. My God. My, come on, praise Him a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, stand with me. I think I'm through. Amen. Come on, brother. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, I, I, could, I could go through a lot more things that Paul said. Amen. Things present 
And then he said, things to come. Brother Hughes, I wouldn't say I'm fearful, but I, I'm just like everybody else. We don't know what's going to happen. But when they start closing 150 Walmart stores, <laughs> man, you know, on our trips, these, these ladies can't live without Walmart. 150 Walmart stores in America. 250 worldwide. I've never heard of that before. But guess what? Things to come. And I'm not trying to put a damper on this service, but listen to what he said. Things to come, which includes war, famine, earthquake, amen, and all of the things that we're living with right now. Paul said, Life is not going to separate me from the love of God, and neither is things to come. And none of us can know what tomorrow holds. None of us knows what's going to happen next week. But you know what I do know? Whatever comes my way, it can't separate me from the love of God. You know what I do know right now? Oh, sister, I want you to sing a little more of that song. You know what I do know right now? I'm looking at some gray-haired saints of God that's already come through more than some of us will ever imagine. But they're still here. Things to come. I don't know what it might be, but I'm making up my mind right now that whatever it is around the next corner, whatever hope, whatever happens tomorrow or next week, Paul said it cannot. Everybody say cannot. It cannot separate me from the love of God. Lift up your hands with me right now. Praise God. Woo. Hallelujah. 